This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Chris Adams-Wall. Chris Adams-Wall with you, and we're joined by Adam Barry, the Rays beat reporter for MLB.com. Adam, thanks so much for joining us, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. The last time that we did have you on, we were up in Music City in my fancy studio there at the winter meetings. Uh, We talked about a lot of things. Uh, 2023 went out with a bang for the race, who acquired Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca for Tyler Glass, now Manuel Margot, and some cash considerations. And 2024 has been pretty busy so far as well. Let's talk about these two deals. We'll begin with the Rays acquiring... Jose Caballero, the infielder from the Seattle Mariners, uh, in exchange for Luke Rayleigh, a guy who played a little bit of outfield and some first base at times for the Rays last season. An interesting move. Caballero is 27 years old. He played in a little over 100 games last year in what was his first year at the big league level. He stole 26 bases, though, over those 104 games. And apparently, Adam, he can play a little bit of shortstop, right? Yeah, and that's kind of the the key aspect of this deal, I think. And, you know, it certainly wasn't easy for them to give up Luke Rayleigh, who was such a big part of everything they did last year, provided that left-handed balance along with Josh Lowe uh, to their lineup and really kind of carried him from that side, especially early on in the season. But there is a lot of uncertainty at shortstop at this point of the offseason, just given that Wander Franco remains under investigation by MLB and uh, officials in the Dominican Republic and that Taylor Walls is recovering from offseason surgery on his right hip. Uh, Eric Neander revealed to us on a call uh, Friday night that you were on as well, that it's unlikely at this point that Walls will be ready for opening day. Uh, So that would have left them in a pretty tough spot as far as shortstop goes to start the season. And then obviously a little bit beyond that too, probably not wanting to overwork Walls given, you know, coming back from major surgery, dealt with some injuries last season. His legs are such a big part of his game defensively and on the bases. Uh, So they basically needed somebody to fill in at shortstop because they also probably didn't want to put that everyday job on, Oslevis Basabe, who held his own last year, but is still a young player, probably ideally a utility guy, or top prospect Junior Caminero, who has all the potential in the world, but, you know, skipped AAA last year, really made a quick jump to the majors, and is probably also best suited for third base in the long run. So enter Caballero, uh, a guy that they they liked, that they talked about at the trade deadline last year, and Eric Neander said they liked him even before then. Um, So clearly a player that they, you know, they'd had on their radar for a while, uh, like you said, stole 26 bases, was really good in the field. I think it was 10 defensive runs saved and eight outs above average. Uh, played multiple positions, a lot of second, uh, some third. I think he bounced into the outfield a little bit, but is very much capable of playing shortstop. So it seems like, barring something unexpected, that's going to be your opening day shortstop is Jose Caballero at this point. And the Rays are going to give him an opportunity, let him run, and you know see where he can take it. And Eric Neander also pointed out a number of times on that call that you referenced, Adam, that this is a really competitive guy as well. He he plays the game with a lot of fire, and and I think that's probably going to be a good thing for the Rays. And uh, do you think his nickname might be, uh, can we call him Joe Gentleman? Is that uh, that something that we can do? 
I don't know about that, but he did get the classic baseball nickname of Cabby when Eric talked about him the other night, which is just like take the first syllable and add E onto the end of it. That's just every baseball nickname ever. Uh, so I think he'll be Cabby for at least a little while. But you're right. He is competitive. He's got a little fire to him. Uh, you know, he'll find ways on base. He got hit by a lot of pitches for a guy who only had 280 plate appearances last year. And he really kind of famously, I think, messed with pitcher's timing with the pitch clock and really kind of found ways to get under guys' skin. And you could see that being kind of fun, you know, for the Rays, having a guy like that who's willing to to go out there and mix it up a little bit, bring some fire, bring some energy. Uh, that's the kind of thing you'll need, uh, you know, over the course of a long season. So it'll be interesting. He, he got off to a good start at the plate, too. There's clearly some ability there. Uh, offensively, he struggled down the stretch, maybe got a little overexposed or just kind of wore down over the season. But there's definitely some uh, some ability there. Um, I'm curious to see what the Rays can do with him in, in much the same way. And we'll talk about this with the next guy, too, that they did with Isak Paredes, kind of, uh, you know, uh, helping him get some more untapped potential out of his bat. It's nice to see the Rays and Mariners finally uh, making a trade, too. They almost never make make deals together. Uh, it's a wonder the call went through, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Let's talk about the other move, though, with a different team. The Rays acquired Richie Palacios, who is a left-hand hitting outfielder. Uh, Luke Rayleigh, of course, was one of those. So the Rays get Palacios. They lose Andrew Kittrich, however, who was such an integral part uh, of the team for so, so long, an all-star in 2021. What did you make of this move, though? Richie Palacios, here's a funny story for you. I remember watching the Orioles play the Cardinals on September 13th, and I was thinking, okay, this was, of course, in 2023, last season, and I'm thinking, okay, the Rays are going to Baltimore after this. If the Cardinals can somehow just steal a win here, and I look up, and all of a sudden I see somebody who I've never really heard of before hitting a solo home run. The Cardinals go on to win that game one nothing. Who was that guy? It was Richie Palacios. So apparently we Rays fans have liked him all along, but what did you make of that deal for Tampa Bay, Adam? Are you saying they consulted you on the deal before they made it? This is a guy you liked? He was on my your lips, radar? My lips are sealed. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's another interesting deal. There was kind of the, the way it all came out Friday was that the Caballero deal came out first. And we're all kind of wondering, you know, why are you moving on from Rayleigh? That's a guy who very much fits into your roster as a left-handed bat, you know, potential outfielder. Like, where are they going to get that production? Because otherwise they become pretty right-handed right away, basically. They trade, they make this trade for Palacios, who does kind of fill that gap and really continues this trend that we've seen all offseason in the three major moves the Rays have made where big league talent goes out, proven talent goes out, a little bit more experienced uh, part of the core goes out, and basically a one-for-one -one replacement comes back in. This time it wasn't in the same trade like it was with Tyler Glasnow for Ryan Pepio and Manuel Margot for Johnny DeLuca, but Rayleigh goes out, left-handed hitting outfielder who can bounce around the infield at first base, goes out. And then another trade immediately thereafter, in comes Palacios, a left-handed hitting outfielder who can play some second base and, you know, has shown some, some versatility there as well. So it makes sense. Um, he's a guy who hit very well for the Cardinals. He was a third-round pick for Cleveland, so there's clearly some, you know, history of talent and track record there. Uh, struggled uh, to hit in Cleveland's system, and he would not be the only one uh, who would be the case there, as Cleveland has been looking for outfielders for many years now, it feels like. But really just seemed like a switch flipped when he went to St. Louis, not just in the majors, but he hit well in AAA. Uh, then he went up to the big leagues and he had an 823 OPS, six homers and 102 plate appearances. Um, generally there's more contact and on base ability than Rayleigh's just pure raw power, but 
it's kind of an interesting hitter. And like I mentioned before, with Paredes being that guy who had the untapped pull side power that the Rays really helped him get into. I think there's some of that going on with Palacios as well, where if they can kind of maintain the contact and on base, you know, mature approach that they showed in the minors and add a little bit of that pull side power, you know, capitalizing on the right pitches and knowing when to kind of unload a little bit. There's a really interesting hitter there. Um, And I think the Rays are kind of banking on that while also, like I mentioned earlier, maintaining the balance of potentially their active roster, but definitely their 40 man roster as far as keeping the same profiles, keeping the same skill sets. Uh, It's kind of a one for one trade here in, in the way that they did it. It just was in two separate transactions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I can't say whether the Rays consulted with me on that deal, but they may have consulted with the voice of the Rays, Andy Freed, who went to Towson University like Richie Palacio. So who knows? I know Andy's happy. Now there's another Tiger there at Tropicana Field. So Caballero and Palacios, two guys who are relatively young. Uh, Again, Palacios kind of a one-for-one flip with Luke Rayleigh there. Uh, and Jose Caballero gives the Rays a little bit of coverage at shortstop because it sounds like Taylor Walls might not be ready for opening day. You have a little bit more control with these guys, too. They have a very, uh, very friendly contracts, shall we say. But the downside is you lose Luke Rayleigh and, and Andrew Kittrich, right? Two guys who not only were key contributors on the field last year for Tampa Bay, but two guys who make a pretty big impact inside the clubhouse. Yeah, super popular players. I think you could just like kind of go through the Instagram feeds and just see like all the players with like the sad crying emojis reacting to news of the trades because those were two really popular guys, two really good guys, two guys who were super easy to root for too. I mean, Luke Rayleigh just came in and you know played like his hair was on fire last year, uh, really endeared himself, uh, you know, had to earn his way onto the team. And then it was like, oh, this guy feels like he's been here forever just because he was – so critical to everything they did on the field, and then such a natural fit in the clubhouse, especially with a guy like Josh Lowe, who he had been with in Durham. It seemed like their you know, kind of resurgence came at the same time in the big leagues. Uh, that was definitely fun to see. You know, He bounced around a little bit, just a, a good, hardworking player. Um, and then Kittrich, like, he really can't say enough about what he's done over the years. Just the super sad scene of him walking off the mound at Fenway in 2020, wondering kind of what his future was. Rehab like crazy to get back in 2021. And he was just so good. Like, I feel like I could talk about Andrew Kittrich's 21, 20, 21 season forever. He pitched in every inning from the 1st through the 11th. That's amazing. He opened, he closed, he pitched multiple innings, he'd come in to get one out. He was so valuable to that team, to the point that I think you mentioned Andy Freed and, and Neil Solons. I think we talked about him possibly being that team's most valuable player just for all of the roles that he held and all of the things that he did. Then, of course, he got hurt and he rehabbed like crazy to get back from that again. Came back last year. I think he got a save in his first appearance back, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, in one of those crazy long extra inning games. Uh, you know, really just a hardworking guy. Uh, got Made himself better, you know, worked to improve, uh, tweaked his arsenal. Came back, wasn't necessarily great with the high velocity and all that upon his return. But by the end of the season, you heard Kevin Cash, and I think he mentioned it again at the winter meetings. They were really high on the way Kittredge finished the season. 
Um, and that had some obvious appeal to the Cardinals who needed some stability on their pitching staff. They got some starters earlier. They wanted a proven back-end reliever uh, in Kittredge. So they went out and they got him. It came at a big cost for the Rays. But like you said, you know, they're, they're bringing in younger guys um, with a little more control, a little more flexibility to kind of, you know, reset this young core a little bit, joining this next group of upcoming young players. Um, but when you make moves like that, kind of the same as with Glasnow and Margot, like it, it comes at a high cost, not only on the field, but especially in the clubhouse. I think you just used a hot button word there, Adam, the word reset. Now, looking at this offseason, it's been interesting to say the very least. The Rays have moved on from Tyler Glass now, Manuel Margot. Now they're going away from Luke Rayleigh and Andrew Kittrich, bringing in some much younger players. Is this a reset, though? Because when we were on the call with Eric Neander and whenever we've talked to him, he insists that we believe that we, we being the Rays, have a good club, a club that is not only going to be competitive in the future, but one that is also able to compete in 2024 with the best of them, with the Baltimores and uh, the Seattles, and name your playoff team, the Texas Rangers, Houston Astros. I'll ask for the fans here, the fans' perspective, what are the Rays doing this offseason? Yeah, I don't necessarily know if reset is entirely fair. I think that the word that I threw around with you last night that got me booed in the text was raise <laughs> set because it is a very raise way of doing it, which is just they're going to try to do this to be competitive in 2024 and in the years beyond. And it's a very interesting, like I said earlier, that the trades have been kind of big league talent for big league talent. They're not pushing the window back by any means, but they are kind of extending the window for the group that they have now and kind of creating this new younger core. I don't necessarily know if this would have been the plan heading into this offseason, if not for the uncertainty with Franco, if not for Shane McClanahan's Tommy John surgery, if not for Jeffrey Springs likely to miss at least a decent chunk of next of this year. Got to get into this year, not next year mode now, Chris. And the same goes <laughs> Nine for days in, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up by spring yeah. training. Maybe open it you know, if not for some of these kind of unforeseen circumstances, maybe they would have pushed it forward with basically the same team from last year, run that franchise record payroll that Neander has said they have the ability uh, to carry for one year based on kind of the fluidity of their payroll situation. Maybe that would have been the case if, you know, everything had kind of been as they'd planned. But when you start to see some of that uncertainty, you ask, all right, is this the club? We talked about this in Nashville. Is this the club you want to push all in on, given some of the uncertainty, some of the absences, the unavailability? And I think the answer was probably no, but you don't want to punt on this court entirely. You still have Yandy Diaz. You still have Brandon Loud. You still have Randy Rosarina, Isak Paredes, basically the entire pitching staff coming back, essentially, aside from Glasnow and, and the injured guys and now Kittredge. There's a lot of talent on this team, and there's also a lot of young talent, a lot of controllable talent. So you can bet on that group heading into next season with some of these additions that they've made. And you're also kind of extending that group's ability to compete into the future by bringing on a Pepio, a DeLuca, Palacios, Caballero, you know, this group can kind of stay together and grow together, much like the last core did from 2019 to 21, 22, even last year. So there is kind of this ability for them to, to, to reset, to reset, if you will, uh, what Ooh. they're doing. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I deserve that. Without punting, without giving up a year, because this front office's mission statement from the beginning, you know, as long as they've been here has been wanting to win the franchise's first World Series and believing that the way to do that is by making the playoffs as often as possible every year if they can and this group kind of has the ability to do that while also kind of putting themselves in a good position uh, moving forward and creating pathways to playing time for 
Jonathan Aranda, Curtis Mead, letting those guys kind of, you know, take the runway and see if, you know, see if they can take off a little bit. Cause that's what the Rays are built on is, you know, drafting, developing, trading for young talent and building, you know, a, a group, good group around them. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Like there is a little bit of uh, possibility of failure when you're trusting younger players who have less track record. That has been a pretty consistent theme of the offseason is dealing away track record for unproven guys. But there's also a lot of talent there. And the Rays have shown their, uh, you know, pretty profound ability to get the most uh, out of the guys with talent. You're talking about the Rays providing a, a runway or opening up a runway and some opportunities for guys like Jonathan Aranda, Curtis Mead, perhaps even Junior Caminero, let's go back to the beginning of 2023, right? Where the Rays decided, hey, let's open this up. Let's give Josh Lowe an opportunity to win a job and keep that job. Let's give Luke Rayleigh an opportunity to try to win this job and keep this job. That worked out pretty well. The Rays won 99 games. So to think that the the same thing won't happen or something similar won't happen uh, for Aranda, Mead, Caminero, others, uh, it, it's not that crazy, right? Yeah, and I mean, they are creating this, uh, you know, opportunity and competition as well, because one thing that we didn't necessarily touch on with Caballero and Palacios is they have minor league options. They're likely, I would say Caballero especially, obviously likely to be the opening day shortstop. Palacios could come into camp and win a job. He could also go to AAA if the Rays decide that those left-handed at-bats are better, you know, utilized through Jonathan Aranda, who's a guy who is, you know, killed the ball in AAA for the past few years, who's really got nothing left to show there basically at this point, but the consistent opportunities haven't really been there in the majors. Now, if you're clearing a pathway for him, that does involve maybe moving on from a guy like Rayleigh, who was out of options, couldn't be sent down and would have created a pretty static position player group. Uh, Whereas in this case, you know, give Jonathan Aranda a chance, let him see where he goes with it. If it doesn't work out, move on. You have Palacio and Durham, Palacios and Durham to come up and take some of those at bats, fit into kind of the same, you know, DH, you know, platoon first base slash outfield type mix uh, that Aranda does. And I wouldn't be surprised if, frankly, we see the same thing, whether it's this week or at some point before spring training, possibly moving on from a guy like Harold Ramirez, who is the same thing, proven, you know, really well liked inside the clubhouse, has been really effective for them, but is arbitration eligible, starting to get a little more expensive, running out of team control. And they have Curtis Mead sitting there without an everyday opportunity for playing time at this point because they've got. Paredes and Yandi and these other guys taking up spots. But if you can create some of those right-handed at-bats for Curtis Mead, who's, I think, the number 34 prospect in baseball, a guy who they really liked and really liked what they saw uh, going into the offseason, just as far as his motivation um, and his kind of drive to get better and prove himself this coming year. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we see something uh, relatively similar happening uh, to kind of add, again, to that young group and create competition. Because generally, you know, when you get guys competing for spots in spring training, guys competing for playing time and at-bats, trying to prove themselves during the regular season, you're going to get the best of guys. So I, I think that's also part of kind of what the Rays have done here is created competition and force guys to earn their playing time at this point. Um, and it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. If nothing else, it makes for a more interesting spring training. And I think we all know that it's a fool's errand to question anything that the Tampa Bay Rays front office does, right? So, again, 99 wins last year. Uh, as the rest of the league has found, they're probably going to be competitive no matter what happens. They've now been in the playoffs for five straight years. Speaking of the rest of the league, though, Adam, there's still a lot of big-name free agents out there. Guys like a former Tampa Bay Rays lefty Blake Snell, 
uh, Jordan Montgomery, a guy the Rays faced in the postseason, Josh Hader. Why do you think it's been still so quiet? I mean, it's probably going to have to ramp up here soon because we're starting spring training in uh, a little over a month. Uh, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Buck, buckle up, get ready. Um, but are there some teams that that you whose off seasons you've liked so far, and and others who you, you just don't know what to make of? I think those points are a little bit tied together because why have things been so slow? A lot of it was waiting on Shohei Otani to sign and Yoshinobu Yamamoto to sign. The Dodgers got both of those guys, so you know that kind of freed up the rest of the teams. To do have the Dodgers been busy? Business. Yeah. Okay. A little bit busy, kind of spending a little bit of money as far as I understand. <laughs> um, it's actually funny. that I, I look back and there's the famous Andrew Friedman quote, obviously formerly with the Rays, that like if you're rational about every free agent, you'll finish third on every free agent. They haven't finished third on a lot of guys this offseason, which probably tells you a lot about their approach and the way they're going about it. Right. Uh, but, you know, they've got the money, and Otani basically just gave them a line of credit to spend, so good for them making the most of, of what they have. Obviously, that's an offseason to like. In addition to, to the, you know, the big guys, like they went out and they got Glass now. They got Manuel Margot to fill a role, brought back Jason Hayward. There's, they just signed Teoscar Hernandez because, you know, why not? Uh, there's just a lot to like about what they're doing. Clearly motivated to win not just one World Series, but multiple World Series and become, you know, MLB's team of Japan, apparently, with the way that they've talked about wanting to create uh, a market there. So there's a lot to like there. I like what the Diamondbacks have done, too, also staying in the NL West. You know, clearly a ton of young talent made it to the World Series. Corbin Carroll might be one of the best players in baseball. You know, is something we're going to be talking about this year. Then they went out and they grabbed Eduardo Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez, uh, Guriel, just kind of add to that young core. Uh, it's good to see a team, you know, get that far, realize that this is kind of their window and try to open it up and keep it open. Um, so good for them. Uh, I'd add the, the Royals and the Reds are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum there. They were not great last year. The Reds showed some promise. The Royals were not good at all in their first year under uh, former Rays bench coach Matt Quattrero. But They've gone out and they've spent. They've wanted to, to get better, to put a better representative product on the field. The Reds probably see a chance in the NL Central. And I don't know if the Royals are going to contend for the AL Central, but that's not a very good division. And, you know, if you add talent, you start to hit on some of the young guys that they have coming up and get some things in order there, then that's potentially a more interesting team. So, those, and they those signed Will Smith, players. right? So they're probably going to win the World Series. That is part of the formula <laughs> to winning a World Series, as I understand it. You cannot argue with the data. Uh, you know, there, there have been some other ones. The Cardinals it seems like they haven't done anything in a while aside from going out and get, getting Kittredge, which obviously is a move that I like for them. But they signed three starting pitchers early on in the offseason. That was a need for them. Uh, that's a good one for them. And then, you know, it's going to be frustrating for the Rays and Rays fans. But the Yankees getting Juan Soto is like such a classic Yankees move. Just here's one of the best players available, in this case via trade. They had a ton of usable pitching that they could part with. So, you know what? Go out and get Soto, pair him with Aaron Judge, and Best of luck to pitchers who have to face them, you know, back to back as long as both are healthy. So those are some that I'd say I like, and there's still more to go. You mentioned Snell, Montgomery, Cody Bellinger, who had a good year last year, Matt Chapman, Josh Hader, Dylan Cease is still on the trade market. This, this offseason still kind of feels like it's just getting going in a way, but you know, like you said, and shook me to my very core. There's only basically a month to go until spring training. It's going to be wild to see what happens. We know the Rays are never done, and I think uh, the same probably applies to the other 29 teams throughout Major League Baseball. But, Adam Barry, thank you so much for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. We appreciate the insight. We'll work on the Rays set and, and all that stuff uh, as my voice cracks here. So I guess the joke is on me. Uh, but we appreciate you taking the time, Adam. It was such a good line that you couldn't bear to repeat it yourself. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> 
That was Adam Barry, Rays beat reporter for MLB.com. We want to thank him and you for tuning in to the latest episode of This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Chris Adams-Walls. Stay with us. We are just about a month away from the beginning of spring training, and we'll keep this feed updated as more trades and free agent signings occur. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you next time.